bitch, please. Oh, bitch, please, my ass. You want a sandwich? Dig that. Oh, hell yeah. She's a bad I'm a black man in Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the JB's Low Tech Podcast. People that know me know I like talking sports, but today we're going to talk it from a different view and prism with today's guests. After this, here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast, the month of April is Distracted Driving Awareness Month. And here to give us more information on the terrible things that can happen while driving distracted is my sponsor, Mike Bryant of Bryant Shaw and Bryant Law. In Pennsylvania, a teenage girl that was about to turn 18 was driving her brand new car home when she looked down to check a text message and struck a tree, killing herself and injuring a friend in the car. The average message takes 4.6 seconds to create. Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. Please don't drive while intoxicated or allow your friends and family to do so. No text message or phone call is worth dying for. Find Mike Bryant at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Mike Bryant, seeking justice for the injured. Welcome back to the my Green Circle Studios in my man cave here in Minneapolis. And as I stated earlier, you know that I like talking sports. But today we we're going to look through a different prism. And today's guest is Melly. And Melly, help me with your last name. I don't know why I'm so tongue-tied. <laughs> it's Resendez. <laughs> Resendez. Yes, um, like resend these things to me. <laughs> okay. Longtime equipment manager at Northwestern University. She is um, one of the head honchos there. But more than that, she is now the president elect. Soon to take, yes. soon to take um, the office as president of the National Office of the Athletic Equipment Managers Association. And I wanted to talk with Melly today with all the different things that are swirling in the world of sports, college sports, that is, about what, what the role of the uh, Athletic um, Equipment Managers Association is going to be with all these new things that are happening, and also what is her agenda for that. But first, um, as I start off every week, let me kind of get uh, some background from my audience uh, of you and, uh, you know, start with 
where'd you grow up and uh, how your childhood was and what got you interested in athletic equipment? Thanks for that question. Uh, you know, um, I am um, well-traveled, but uh, I've never not lived in or worked in Evanston every single day of my life, born and raised. Uh, Lincoln Grade School, Nichols Middle School, ETHS, Evanston Township High School, uh, Northwestern grad, um, and, and a 32-year employee of Northwestern University. Uh, I remember growing up as a little kid, riding my bike along the lakefront, uh, thinking it was just an elite institution that would never, ever be within my reach, let alone a graduate of. Um, and uh, lo and behold, um, bit by bit, it took me 18 years to earn my degree at Northwestern working full time. Um, but I did it. I never gave up. Um, and it's definitely one of the proudest uh, accomplishments in my life. Um, paid for it, too. Penny by penny. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's uh, been quite a ride for me and uh, as a true Evanstonian. Well, as you were attending college, um, I'm assuming that you got your training from the uh, one of the greats in our business, um, uh, Bill Jarvie. Is that correct? I did. I did. He hired me. Yes. Okay. He was a... Um, so you are a classic, as I call us, and I through this conversation, I'm still going to call myself an equipment manager. So, Well, you know what they say, once an equipment manager, always an equipment manager. <laughs> it's in your blood. Yes, it is, from high school to the day I die. Um, mm -hmm. But, and the reason why I ask that, that makes you a classically uh, trained equipment manager, not, not one of the... And I hate, you know, I'll sound terrible saying this. Johnny Cunton lately who want to jump in the business and uh, didn't put in the uh, sweat equity of the hours as a student, as an intern and whatnot. So um, I'm just looking. So as, as, as college sports are changing with the, uh, you know, name, image, and likeness, and with the transfer portal and all these things, uh, do you see a role in that for the uh, Athletic Equipment Managers Association? Um, well, definitely. You know, um, an equipment manager is definitely a jack of all trades, and uh, we are um, just at the ground level with student athletes day to day, in and out day in, day out, you know, I always say that there's three um, pillars that hold up student athletes. And I don't think one is any more important or any less important than the other. And in my opinion, that would be um, your athletic trainers, your strength coaches and equipment managers. Those three um, pillars are um, like the stool legs that support student athletes. We see them day in and day out early. We're always first in, last out. We're the core group that supports them. So in that role, as college athletic changes, um, you know, we're on the ground level, you know, hearing about these rule changes coming down the pike before they even come in. So it's kind of interesting to have uh, 
to uh, watch the uh, profession itself kind of change from a place where, you know, in the beginning of the year, you had 10 things and you better have 10 things at the end of the year, turn back, right. uh, you know, chasing kids down <laughs> for a laundry pin, right. you know, and uh, to now where they, you, you pretty much don't have to collect anything back except for a Jersey. Um, so the, um, the uh, evolving nature of college athletics to be, more of a business model and with student athletes having much more say um, at the NCAA and within their athletic departments has really transformed uh, what it means to be an equipment manager. So if I were to dig in a little bit, Oh, please go ahead. No, go ahead. Continue. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, like you mentioned the NIL and the transfer portal. So what the transfer portal means like just mundanely that, you know, we have to be ready. You know, these kids are, you know, for football, they're coming in reporting like now, as soon as that transfer portal is op open and, you know, you're just almost doing, you're constantly doing equipment issues for kids. Kids are coming in freshmen early for summer school. So you're doing equipment checkouts then in the spring or early summer and then fall reports, you know, it's just never ending. So you just always have to be, um, two steps ahead of whatever is going to be coming down the pike rule-wise. Um, NIL, you know, we're just kind of keeping an eye on things. And, uh, you know, we are the um, the um, uh, the gatekeepers for our athletes not getting too out of control or, you know, um, doing an ad with um, at Northwestern. You can't wear anything Northwestern branded. So just kind of reminding them, you know, about the rules in the beginning of the year and, you know, playing a part in that whole evolving of athletics. Well, um, yeah, there, you were talking a little bit earlier about not chasing them down. Uh, people don't understand in a lot of in a lot of sense, they get these wonderful almost five thousand dollar wardrobes at the beginning of the, every year that will replace the next year and the next year and the next year. Um, mm -hmm. not saying they don't deserve it, but I'm just saying, please understand, they also do get things. Um, so can you expand and kind of give more background of an athletic equipment manager? Sure. Um, so um, an athletic equipment manager is basically responsible um, for the safety and protection of every stu single student athlete that walks into their university. So um, depending on what sports you work, whether it's football or hockey or softball or baseball, lacrosse, field hockey, um, across the board, our number one goal is keeping our kids safe. That means being up to date on the latest technology and rules um, regarding uh, helmet safety, NOXI, um, knowing all the, the rules that are involved in that. Um, equipment manager is uh, there to make sure that um, the student athlete's not worrying about those uh, those little things packing their bags, all their laundry's done for them. You know, the kids come in and everything's labeled for them. It's put out in their lockers. Um, we really only want those kids to just focus on school and um, athletics. And um, there's all sorts of departments within athletics that are in support of that goal. And uh, 
So not only we're issuing, we're also helping to design uniforms uh, certain times of the year or T-shirts or, um, you know, crazy ideas. We're, we're there not to say no to a coach or to a student athlete. We're there to make sure it gets done. That's always been my kind of philosophy about it. You know, I'm not in the business of saying no. You'll never hear no come out of my mouth to a student athlete. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a yes, but it's definitely um, I've learned um, uh, just um, more sophisticated ways of dealing with student athletes. They're just not used to no's in their lives. So you just have to kind of learn how to work within that paradigm without um, being um, too strong, I I find. That was one of the hardest things to um, for me was to not say no and tell them, hey, let me think about this. Let me see what I can do, What figure out what can happen. Use phrases like that. But yes. also, sometimes it did wind up being that they couldn't get what they wanted. And mm-hmm. uh, had administrators who um, didn't understand that, especially in different, in, in especially in some, <laughs> lack of a better term, country club or rich kids sports especially have never been told no or they can't have in their life and they can uh internalize that as you being mean or being angry or you being upset and whatnot and it's like no you just kind of land the you know just land out the facts mm-hmm. uh, uh also with the lack of which seems to be the lack of the NC2A and governing governing power lately, lately. Lately, how has that changed the role of the equipment manager? Because it used to be that we would get this book of, of rules of do's and don'ts from the NC2A on what we can do. Uh, how has that changed? Oh, my gosh. It is uh, just a complete 180 turnaround um, from, you know, as a classical equipment manager, as you put it, um, from literally everything out, everything in to now, you know, and then it was just like you could uh, issue something called a travel sweat. It couldn't be called that. Right. You had to actually go to a walkthrough and actually move around just in order to hand a kid a warm up, you know, or, or to get on the bus and all look alike, you know. So it, it's it's actually, I think. Honestly, for the better, um, there's a lot of demands on these kids, and I think it's worked out really well in that, um, you know, we are there to care for them. I just have kind of like a um, maybe a, a motherly stance on this, and everything that I can do in my power, um, I'm going to do for those kids. Um, so uh, that's kind of what I've what I've been able to do, whether it's you have to put it out and, you know, hand it out and take it all back or whether now you're handing it out and you're rebooting and rehanding out in the, in the fall, that, that part of our job should, it really hasn't changed. It's just, um, it's just the scope of it has really expanded. Um, you know, instead of handing out maybe 15 items in the fall, you're like literally handing out 25, 35 items or, you know, even more. And um, so now you're talking about managing bigger budgets. You're talking about managing um, contracts, uh, 
whether you have your school has a contract with a manufacturer, um, side contracts. So let's say if you're sponsored by a Nike or an Adidas or an Under Armour, sometimes coaches also have, uh, you know, um, deals with uh, a club manufacturer or a um, baseball slash softball manufacturer. So you're really managing all of these these contracts in conjunction with coaches and administrators to uh, in support of our athletes. So I think it's really um, changed for the better. Um, you know, I just, um, it's made it kind of easier for us. You know, I, I used to have to, you know, equipment software was, is my friend. Right. I'm an expert in it, Sportsoft. Uh, you know, I've been using it since its inception and uh, you know, and we're still using it for auditing internal auditing purposes because you always want to have um, uh, your 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 backside covered, as they say, right? right. Mm -hmm. So um, you know when you're audited, you better be better be able to account for these massive growing budgets where things are coming in, coming out. So that's definitely a big part of uh, our focus. Uh, in uh, our equipment rooms across the country. Uh, additionally, like, you know, now a lot of people are getting taxed on their um, st um, staff members on uh, whatever items they get. So, you know, you know, we're tracking all that and setting out uh, tax forms. Um, so it's, it's a lot of administrative work now, uh, way more uh, back than just even, you know, 10 years ago. You know, just a lot more administrative. The, the, the. We're no longer just laundry jockeys. You know, we're not just there to uh, run laundry. Although we're still running laundry, yes. we're also expected to, you know, put that polo on and go to cross-functional team meetings. You know, and uh, you know, part of designing um, our new equipment rooms, um, contract negotiations um, with manufacturers on safety. Um, meeting with our shoe people, you know, um, testing products. It's a, it's a really people who have no idea what an equipment manager does. It is so far reaching that uh, it would re literally take a long time. They'd have to follow us around for a year yes. to know what we do. Yes. I mean, you left off things like repairs, mm -hmm. um, working with athletic medicine people and doctors on maybe creating a certain or ordering a certain pad or modifying a, a protective piece or within the scope of not, you know, breaking the warranty. And you have to know all of these things um, from your experience to, uh, to keep those athletes safe. Uh, also, you were talking about uh, the stuff we give them and the, and the things that we used to have to jump, the hurdles we had to jump over. Like, you know, you would have kids and, you know, we're both in northern climates, you know, kids who came from California or, or might just family could never afford something as a mm -hmm. coat. Mm -hmm. And you would have to play the game. Uh, oh, it was a tournament gift. So you would have to figure out what was the first tournament that they went to. And then once they went to that tournament, then they could get a coat, get the coat. Now you can hand that to them. But yeah. Sand on those nice things. There's going to be people in the audience who think they're entitled. How do you answer that? Um, well, um, 
you know, I just don't, I, I'm not a fan of that word entitled. Um, you know, I, I think these kids are sacrificing it, uh, getting a college, a D1 or even any kind of scholarship at any level uh, or even participating at the high school level. Um, it, it requires sacri- a lot of sacrifice for these kids. You know, they're practicing all hours of the day. They've got travel ball. Yeah, I don't look at it as entitlement. I don't look at it that way. I look at something that they've earned. They've earned their spots on these rosters, no matter what level they are. And and, and we're there to, to support that. I, I literally, um, you know, I, I just don't like that word. And when, when, when you use that, then you're kind of separating programs. So let's just say you have a program that has a huge contract. I, I just, I, I, it's just all relative, right? right. So, um, you know, I don't, that's not to say that, you know, people don't have, you know, personality defects or defaults or anything like that, but I really don't, you know, the kid that's always at the window, right? right. You know, that's just, you know, working yet to see what they can get, you know, but I don't take that personally, you know, and, and half the time it's just, they just want to, you know, chat you up half the time <laughs> or, or just work the system. Right. But I just don't really look at it as entitled. These are kids um, coming from, um, there's nothing more um, amazing to me than a team because the, you bring together people on a team with vastly different backgrounds, right. socioeconomic, racial, cultural, and they're all going to show up on that first day. And they all have different um, viewpoints or needs or backgrounds that kind of affect how you need to be dealing with them. That's where you really have to treat everyone equally because you don't, I don't know their full background when they come in, you know, so I always keep that in mind. And and honestly, you know, even if it's a so-called, uh, you know, elite sport, you just, you know, everyone's got stories, right? right? Everyone's had troubles in their days. So I just, I don't like that word entitled, you know, I just think that we're there to care for them and provide services. Yeah. We, we deal with many a different athlete from, like I said, the, the kid from, the hard streets of a big city to a country club kid. And um, you got to know how to relate to each one of them. And like you said, they will chat you up. And sometimes they chat you up to try to work the system. But sometimes they need a shoulder to lean on mm-hmm. and somebody to talk to. That isn't a coach. <laughs> that isn't the, the trainer. That's not the academic person who's going to, you know, next question mm-hmm. is going to be how is your classes? Or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, and some of these people are dealing with uh, sexual identity and all, you know, and all different kind of other things. And sometimes they just want to be listened to. And if I got this in the past, if I had the same kid coming back constantly, I would pull him in and say, hey, what's going on? What is it you actually need? Or you just want to talk to me? Mm-hmm. Is it? coaches bothering you or you are you homesick are you just not happy what's going on and just let them unload on me you know unload unload on me we Mm -hmm. had a a couple years back we had an all-american pitcher in her senior year and and she was also hitting and her her pitching was taking off taking off even further than it had before and but her hitting was dropping and we had a stud freshman who was hitting a ton of home runs. And um, she was 
allowing it to affect her to the point that we were on the bus and she was throwing crap at me. And I looked back once and I kind of knew who it was and she kept doing it. I never said a word. I've never made a big deal out of it. Uh, next home stand, when they were turning in their stuff, I said, hey, I know that was you throwing stuff at me. What's going on? And she's like, what are you talking about? I said, did you not throw that stuff? And she goes, yeah. I said, so I know things are bugging you. You can't worry about not hitting home runs like you did in your freshman and sophomore year. I said, you were carrying this team in such a different way that you um, need to relax and enjoy this because this is your last year. And if you're going to spend it with your face in a knot and your head going crazy, you're not going to enjoy it. And she just <laughs> just broke down and started crying right then and there. And the rest of the year, she enjoyed it. So we kind of play uh, amateur psychologists, too. So Absolutely. You know, I, I like to call that um, emotional labor. That's what I like to call that. Because we're not just running laundry, checking items out. We're really, and I make that clear, abundantly clear to the kids when they come in, you know, um, it's a safe space. I have it up on my, my, my office door. Mm -hmm. Uh, you are, you are acknowledged here. You are recognized here. And, um, you know, sometimes the, the kids look, you know, I have an open door policy. They just walk right in and, um, you know, I'll be like, so what do you need? And they're like, nothing. I just wanted to say, hi, how you doing? You know, and that's, and, and we're going to see the kid in the locker room if we're putting, putting uniforms up or loops and you got a kid, you know, just crying, mm -hmm. just crying. And, you know, it's those moments that make the job worth it. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. It's certainly not the pay. Right. It's certainly <laughs> not, uh, you know, our stature in our athletic departments. No. <laughs> it's it, and and it's certainly not the hours that we're working, right? Right. It, so it's these kids are you know when I see people criticizing student athletes, you know, in social media, you know, I'm like these kids are 18 to 22 year olds. Their brains haven't even finished developing. Within the last three months, we've had three student athletes commit suicide mm -hmm. uh, in college athletics. This is serious. And it's not just college athletes, it's young people across the board. Mm -hmm. Suicide rates are skyrocketing right now. And, uh, you know, we really need to pay attention to that right. and understand our roles in keeping them happy and healthy and safe, no matter if it's, um, you know, a, a sexual identity crisis or a home crisis. You know, I'm not leaning out and like, you know, put a, a sign like from uh, Lucy or uh, from the peanuts strip, you know, mm -hmm. psychiatry services or anything like that. But I think people just know that you're open to it. And I think that's super important for these kids these days now more than ever. I was going to ask you about this, the, the suicide levels that have gone on in the country and in college athletics. I saw a tweet by Rex, Rex Chapman today on Twitter. And it shows 16 young people who had killed themselves in the last year that were college athletes. So mm -hmm. how is college athletes felling them? You know, what, I mean, um, what's your yeah. thoughts? There's, um, 
I would say a couple of things, right? So number one, I just think that there's so many more pressures on these kids. Uh, I think social media has kind of idealized, you know, what the ideal softball player should be looking like, what the ideal cross track star should look like um, physically, what kind of GPA you should be having um, and their com the comparativeness that student athletes are really um, subjected to, you know, um, that's part of it, right? That's, that's the stuff that I was never worrying about it, you know. Um, I wasn't worrying about, uh, you know, uh, having all of these um, algorithms like feeding me things mm -hmm. that are kind of bringing you down. And um, so I think that's one part of it. I think secondarily, mental health in our country does, is not um, take has never been taken as seriously as uh, as physical uh uh, illnesses or traumatic injuries. It's just never been. Uh, I lost my mother uh, to depression when I was a young adult, about 18, 19. So I know what they're going through. Um, you know, the, the, nothing is more tragic than that. And um, so it's many things. It's, it's the social pressures. It's uh, the sense of um, perfection that these kids are chasing. Yeah. And, um, you know, we just got to love them up and listen to them. And I think most importantly, listen to them and keep providing, keep providing uh, resources uh, within our athletic departments and, 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 and not in just a passive way. Oh, this is a phone number right. because I don't think that's super as effective as like just, you know, having an office somewhere, you know, in high school, you had the guidance counselors right. just right there. And it was just so easy, you know, um, and, and people like, um, you know, in the neighborhood, if you were doing something wrong, your mom got a, your mama got a phone call, you know, oh, Melisan, I saw her out in that tree. She was doing X, Y, Z. And before I even walked in the house, my mom knew all my business. Right. So, you know, we, we just really got to, you know, uh, be more proactive and give so many more opportunities for these kids to access um, all of these wonderful things that are in place. Right. Well, as a, um, and I'm never hitting the fact that I suffer from uh, anxiety and had a bout of depression during the um, uh, pandemic shutdown. Um, <clears throat> but you're 100% correct when you use the term chasing perfection. I wrote a tweet yesterday and that was one of the things that I put in there was these kids have this thing where they've been pushed and pushed and pushed to attain perfection and you can never attain perfection. I mean, not saying you shouldn't try hard, not saying you shouldn't work, not saying don't get better, but this thought of obtaining perfection can you know, it can be, you know, a heavy weight on on your shoulders constantly. And also, I, I had heard one of the fears of, because now athletic departments are starting to provide counseling on site, is the fear of that being reported back to coaches and being held against them. That would definitely be a concern, but I, I feel like, you know, the first, all those meetings these kids go to that first day of report, you know, that just has got to be, you know, just, it's just as important 
as any other part of the information that they're getting. It's more important now. It's more important. These kids are training, you know, what, 365 days a year? Mm -hmm. How many days off do you think they're getting? You know, even before they even step on campus, they're travel ball, playing in the high school teams, uh, personal coaches, um, you know, burnout's part of this. Mm -hmm. Well, Melly, you remember when we started back 30-something, 40-something years ago in in, in the equipment business, we used to get summers off. Mm-hmm. Now, absolutely. Now you're lucky to get a week off in the summer. Mm-hmm. Between kids being there all year round in school all year round, that's the other thing people don't know. Especially in your big sports, but even in some of the minors, they're in summer school so they can practice uh, and work out under the guides of their strength people and their coaches and this and that. So the the pressure is never released from the pressure cooking. It's always there. It's always there. It's, you know, and um, then for people like us, it's also the same. You know, you got to be there. You got to be on. You got to be ready. You got, and in some ways it is an environment that lends itself to maybe people acting out, people uh, committing what the young people have done recently. And that's something I think we need to, as as in, you know, sports college entity, need to take a look at and see how they can release some of that pressure for those young people and staff members too because it's it's just becoming so intense and intense and intense. At least that's what my thoughts are. Absolutely. Um, you know, you know, you, you span that, that microscope out a little bit and you just look at the support staffs across the board, you know, this, the expectations of, you know, I think I get something like five weeks vacation a year I've earned. I can't remember the last time I was able to take five days. You know, it's tough. Right. You know, it, it's a tough road, uh, it, it, but we have flexibility. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not saying, you know, that, that we can't scooch, scooch out of here and there, you know, but it, it's it's definitely uh, staff burnouts are really mm-hmm. uh, taking its toll on a lot of people leaving the business. Yeah. And I mean, now that can move us to a different topic, but. I know it was one of the things for me. Um, I was lucky to get a week off the week, be- and it was always the week before soccer started. <laughs> I'd seem to take get in all the stuff from Nike or most of it, get it all processed, get it ready for the athletes, and it would be about that time where it was a week before soccer started. <laughs> it's like, oh, thank God I can take a week off. To the point with my new job on campus, because my vacation time followed me, Mm-hmm. They have now warned me twice that I have to take time off because I have had accrued so much time from athletics that um, I keep. I at one time I did max out, and now I keep getting dangerously close to maxing out. So, yeah, I mean, and people when they when they see the bright lights of games, they gotta understand. Like when I worked baseball, there were times I, I was there from nine in the morning to one the next morning, Mm -hmm. you know, getting the team ready there for the game, 
there's a doubleheader, you know, there for two games and then post game and in, in the wonderful world of baseball, not only are you doing the uniforms for your own team, you're doing it for the visiting team. So <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, and then you just you, you try to shuffle home or maybe set up something back at your office where you can get some sleep to get up to start and do it all over again. So it just it adds to the burnout. And what, as the incoming president, is there something on your agenda that kind of work with that or to kind of help the masses with the with the burnout? Oh, wow. I, you know, I, first of all, I'm just really grateful to have gotten this opportunity to lead the Athletic Equipment Managers Association. Um, Well-deserved. Well-deserved. Thank you. finally. (laughs) I'm uh, humbled uh, uh, by it. And I am also really recognize the amount of work that we're going to need to do to get this thing cranking forward at a little bit of faster pace. And, um, you know, I, um, I am an abundantly patient person, but I am impatient for our association. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things that we need to get done. There's a lot of things to do and, um, it's time to get to work. It's time to get to work and I'm looking forward to it. I'm ready to do it. Um, I do have a vision, but uh, I really think that there's a, a few um, things that I, I need to do before I kind of like announce a vision sure. because, um, you know, I, I want to do a SWOT analysis. I really kind of want to take us forward a little bit more in the, you know, we've always been equipment managers working full time, trying to run an association. So um I want to kind of take a step back and get all um, a lot of our housekeeping done, get our policies and procedures just uh, updated. I want to get our website, um, you know, to be um, a, a vibrant uh, 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 online community. Um, I want to get um, more ways for C, um, CUs to be obtained. Uh, I think uh, one thing COVID taught us is that, you know, we can do a lot on Zoom. We can hold uh, meetings, district meetings, and be all over the state and really learn and engage. Um, I'm excited about all these new things that technology are presenting to us. So um, so that's really at the forefront, um, just moving these things forward um, and uh, creating a business plan uh, based on some SWOT analysis and feedback. You know, I'm going to be talking to... Um, um, I've been uh, on a Zoom with the high school equipment managers. I've been on Zooms uh, with different uh, districts. And uh, I, I, I'm i kind of going to be on a listening tour, I would say, this first uh, year. And uh, then really start putting forward, like piecing together all of these things, working towards a, a, a really strong um a business plan and goals, tangible goals that we can accomplish. I'm excited to be working with Matt Altoff um, as our executive director. Uh, we've had meetings, really productive meetings. We really see eye to eye on a lot of things, and uh, we're we're ready to start uh, uh, moving this thing forward. Well, don't forget us who are classified as retired either. 
we would like to still keep a foot in the organ- organization that we hold dearly. But um, it's got to be a con- it's got to be concerning that we've had so many young people who've you know done all the certification work and gotten certified and gotten their first job and their first job is a bad experience and they just immediately just turn away from the business. And um, I had three, four that worked under me where that happened. And it was disheartening because that I knew that's all they wanted to do. But with all the new things that were happening and the constraints and whatnot, it was it was disheartening. The other thing I'm concerned about, and maybe you can speak on this, is... Um, and I don't know how to phrase it, so it's going to come out wrong. But um, um, athletic administrations and, administ- and ministers looking kind of down at us and not uh, holding us up as equals as they do with athletic medicine people. You know, um, I once had was told... Um, what makes you think that you know anything about fitting shoes or helmets? By an administrator. <laughs> and by a coach. And I just, just both in both cases, I just looked at them. Number yeah. One. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, you know, um, I think uh, anybody that's worked in athletic college athletics, whether they're a strength coach or, you know, um, even athletic trainers or, you know, they just don't know um, fully what our jobs entail. Um, And so what I would suggest and what works can work for all of us in this field is like, just get out of your rooms, you know, head up to the, to the fourth floor, wherever your administrators are, build relationships um, educate them. I, I, to me, it's, they're just speaking out of ignorance. So I use it as an opportunity. I don't view it as like, Oh, you know, you know, they're this, this, and that, you know, I use it as an opportunity as a teaching moment. Right. So, you know, Oh, is that really like, you know, I'd love to have you come on down when it's fitting day and, uh, and participate in that, or, you know, I, I'd really love to, to, to show you how I do these things. You know, I always kind of love looking to um, broaden people's understanding of what it is we do daily, you know, and, um, and I think the only, or the best way to do that is to bring them in closer, you know, Um, get your direct ports into your rooms. Uh, You know, you see them at game, engage with them. You know, um, I, I think it's really about, training up it's not about them managing down or looking down um i'm just a big fan of um uh just seeing the praises of what we do and and being showing enthusiasm and showing that that we are professionals and uh, and 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 we're gonna have to all all equipment managers got to get out there and, uh, you know, and, and leave the grind for a few minutes, uh, leave the rooms and, and get out there and engage with people. I think that's going to be our best way 
to get the res- more respect than we may or may not have at this moment. Well, that is something I did a lot. Um, I'll just say my last administration was not as interested in that. But in the past, before that, they were very interested. They would come down or they would t- let me come up and talk to them about what's going on and what the changes were. And with doing that, you do see a difference. And you don't get the comments like, what do you know about such, you know, you know or why are you here, or what purpose do you serve, you know, at a game, you know, or this and that. You know, one time I had a catcher's glove break in pregame warm-up in a softball game. Favorite glove, she's freaking out. Um, you know, they got to go through the introductions and the national anthem and this, that, and the other. And I got the glove back to her. And the AD standing right there, and he goes, huh? I said, yeah, that's why you have me at games. And I didn't say anything else. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I said. That's why you have me at games. And he he, he got a chuckle. He said, you're 100% correct. And, you know, and they finished up with their pregame stuff and walked away. But, um, yeah, I mean, they – and a lot of those t- decisions and comment, comments to me are based on their budgets, which is, yeah. which is fearful to me, and I'll let you comment on this. You can't make that a budget line because if you do, then you put in the athlete's safety – in jeopardy. That's my mm-hmm. thought. Absolutely. It goes back to what I said earlier. What is our primary goal, uh, reason, existence? It's the safety and protection of our student athletes. It's just that simple. Um, I can't tell you how many, how many times we've had a kid get beamed in the head or a concussion. If you work football or lacrosse or any sport, we're working in conjunction not below we have to work with that they're not the experts in how to fit they're not the experts in what part what kind of face neck what the what the options are we are working in conjunction cross-functionally with our athletic trainers with our strength coaches in order to provide for the safety and protection of our student athletes it's just very it's very simple um, I always say if our coach, if our jobs were easy, coaches would do it. Right. <laughs> and in the, in way back in the day, football and maybe basketball and hockey had equipment managers and coaches did do it. And coaches didn't realize they needed somebody to do it for them. Mm-hmm. And now they've, in some cases, coaches have, and especially administrators have forgotten. That's the reason why we're there. Absolutely. You know, so it just comes down to um, self-promotion, self-education, self-promotion, earning your spot at these tables. Right. So beforehand, you'd never have an equipment manager that was on the senior staff of any athletic department. But that's it's happening now. We've got the so in many institutions, we've got the seats at the table. Now, what are we going to do with them? Now we got to start expanding their understanding of what it is that we do, how we are in support 
of our student athletes, how we're in support of your budgets, of your money, and making sure the dollars are spent correctly. We're in charge gatekeeping compliance issues so that kids aren't selling their stuff out in the streets, that, um, that um, you know, they, they, we are making sure we're the first thing that we see a kid running around doing something. We're there. We're at the ground level. And so we are just as important. We're not more important or any less important, but we are integral to an athletic department's running smoothly, professionally, and uh, efficiently. Well, and maybe there needs to be some um, workshops for people at that level who are sitting mm-hmm. at those tables, but they're equipment managers. And maybe there needs to be workshops for that group to be able to s- sit in those rooms and be able to articulate why it is as important to have softball and baseball players' helmets fitted correctly mm-hmm. and shin, shin guards and chest protectors as it is a football or hockey helmet. And one of the last comments that I got on the way out the door was, my uh, my services, based, and I'm paraphrasing this, uh, my services were not as important because I didn't work one of those sports. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's just, um, that can be really discouraging. And, um, and, and in my eyes, it just really just, shows a, 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 a tremendous amount of ignorance of people that work for you, you know? So that's, that just, you know, just got to keep at it. You just, we just got to keep moving this organization forward. Um, we are professionals. Um, we, we are every year we want, the job doesn't change all that much from that first year I started in 1990, you know, the kids come in, you take care of them, you fit them, you care for them, you make sure you're doing everything right, you're getting everything done. That hasn't changed. The job doesn't change, but what does change is you're, it's a craft. You're honing your craft right. year after year. What did I do last year? How can I do better next year? And there's always room for improvement. And, um, you know, you grow within a, within a, a position and, and you're not just doing it the same way. Things have changed. Things have evolved. Rules have changed. Everything's always in flux. Um, and we have to uh, be mindful of that as we're uh, working in these departments and, and really be a, um, a messenger for not just ourselves, but for our association. I have a, I had a lot of administrators leave and when, when one of them just left and I was saying goodbye to them and they're going to a new institution and I go, Hey, do me a favor. Uh, uh, You know, recognize your equipment staff where you're going, take care of them, get to know them, understand what they do and make sure that they are respected. And this administrator goes, you know what? That's part, they're going to be my part of my direct report. He goes, thank you so much for saying that to me. Um, I appreciate that. And I, and I didn't say it in a way 
to make it seem like you you're wrong, but just keep keep us in mind. Right. Keep it understand what we do. And you know, I'm just always tooting that horn. I'm all I'm always looking for an opportunity to educate, to share, and to grow. Yeah, we can't be an afterthought. And I know some people listening to this may think that um, we're just tooting our own horn for self-importance. And it's, it's, it's further from the truth when we see what could happen to a young person. You know, I, when my son played high school football, uh, I helped uh, – I coached the defensive line but they brought me on. They were four former Gopher football players. <laughs> they brought me on to deal with equipment issues. And I'm no mm-hmm. fool. I knew that. Mm-hmm. And um, we had a young man get a concussion. And I had um, been telling them I need to check helmets. I need to check helmets. And, well, his frontal pad was missing. Oh he decided to take it. He decided it was uncomfortable, and he took it out. And I just kind there's of there's a jeez. I just looked at the athletic director. It was at a game, and I said, "This is why I wanted to come in and volunteer and help." Mm-hmm. I said, "I understand there's somebody on your in the school building that they call an equipment manager who just add net for their pension." And all they do is take stuff in and give give stuff out to kids. But I said, you know, I have the expertise to maybe help have this not happen. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. There's room for growth. And, uh, you know, uh, the athletic equipment manager is the gold standard on certification and uh, education and continually uh, growing and learning. And... Um, you know, I applaud you for doing that. I, I, I think that a lot of people uh, across the country do the same kind of thing. You know, that's I, I've heard that story more than once. And uh, that just shows we care about what we do. Well, it's, it's funny. I looked at my list of questions <laughs> and we covered most of them without me asking them. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why do you serve the uh, A A E M A? A. I can never say that, but I can always say Athletic Equipment Managers Association without a problem. Um, why is your position important? We covered that. Um, uh, the one thing we haven't, well, we covered your agenda. You kind of gave us a peek into your agenda, but I, I fully expected you not to give me the full can of worms, and that was fine. Um and had a question about future college athletics and our role. We covered all these things, and I didn't have to answer, <laughs> answer one. It's, it's been great. Here's one, for you, one question I have for you. The federal government has got involved in protective equipment, and especially, let's face it, football helmets, but also baseball, softball helmets, and and lacrosse helmets and things like that. And, of course, at the college and pro level, they get fitted by trained athletic equipment managers, at least at the D1 college level and possibly D2 
there might be a trainer who knows that. But at the youth level and high school level, there is not. But there's been some discussion about changing that where a certified person uh, comes to their site and does that. Are you for Mm -hmm. that or against that? Absolutely. I mean, it's about the safety. Uh, I can't stress this um, anymore. There is two things that prevent concussions in football. One is a properly fit uh, mouthpiece, mouth guard. And the second is a properly fit helmet. Those two things have been time and time again shown to be the only true things that are going to help with concussions. Nothing prevents it. Right. No, there is no helmet. Um, it, it's, it is also about training, you know, uh, uh, like proper tackling techniques, yeah. heads up, you know, they're, they've got that in the youth program. So that they're, they're working on that. And so now we're going to elbow our room, elbow our way into these rooms mm-hmm. as a, as, as a, a organization. And, and this means that we're going to have to try to get certified people everywhere. And that's where the growth comes in. Yeah. We and, need to grow. Right. And myself, I'd look at that, and yes, I'm looking at it through my prism. Um, <laughs> that's a wonderful spot for retired or certified equipment managers who left the business to go do something else, but want to kind of keep dipping their toe into that. Uh, your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. I think uh, uh, we should definitely be bringing in um, retired uh, equipment managers, people who have left the business who are still certified, um, anybody that's worked in this field um, and understands it uh, as ambassadors to uh, go out and uh, present clinics, um, reach out to legislations. Uh, We need to, as an association, to uh, get to the NCAA offices and and it gets some meetings and uh, but we have to have our plan in place right so this is this is the next major step in the growth of our organization so i am um all for having um an abundance of resources that people have great knowledge of uh athletic equipment management uh who are retired or, or different things that would love love the opportunity to help yeah i think of you know, the Andy Dixons of the world and uh, people like that who who retired, floating out there. Yes, they're enjoying their retirement and whatnot. But would, probably wouldn't mind popping into a place, you know, doing some training, maybe some fitting. Myself or people like that. Um, Big Mike Royster, you know, who just um, kind of, stepped away and whatnot there's there's a ton of experience that's out there that's either retired from or moved moved on from the business that can be a great help to society in in my opinion absolutely that's definitely a resource that uh the association should be um uh, mining and uh, nurturing relationships moving forward any thoughts of uh, people like that coming, uh, serving some role with the active membership? 
um, I am, you know, here's the deal. There's work to be done. Okay. There is work to be done. I'm not going to be able to do it all. I need help. I'm going to need the help of everybody at every level, from high schools to uh, a youth organization to um, every single – the pros, retired. I'm going to need everybody because our association needs all of you, all of you to get this thing rolling and moving in the right direction. I just got to get – that 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 end goal where are we going how we're going to do it what are our goals i just you know all they need is what can i do so i hear that all the time what can i do well we're going to start giving them the answers to that question that's great um i just want to go back and touch a subject we touched earlier and that's the uh the suicides that are happening um, if there's any young people out there who are struggling, please, please reach out to somebody you trust and uh, get help, ask for help. If uh, people notice somebody is not acting normal or acting themselves or however you want to phrase it, pull them aside, talk to them, have a conversation, find out what's going on. You know, be respectful, but, you know, try to help, try to steer them, um, because that's, you know, we're losing great young minds who could, God knows what they could turn out to be and who they could turn out to help. Um, going back to, I saw two young ladies crying in the same <laughs> section of the hallway years apart. When I, in the athletic complex. And in both cases, I went back to their coaches. And in one case, the head coach looked at me and said, she better be crying. I just put her on full scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll see you later. The other case, you know, I called the coach down. And it's like, hey, I saw such and such crying in the hallway. I don't know what's going on. I don't have the reporter to talk to her. Maybe somebody needs to talk to her. And he just looked at me. He said, yeah, she should be crying because she – and he didn't tell me what she did, but he goes, she broke some team, team rules in a very big way, and it's going to cost her uh, a spot on uh, a championship roster. And I was like, um, okay. But at least in both cases, I took the next step. And, um, you know, in both cases, I asked the young lady, was there okay? And they both gave me, yeah, I'm okay. You know, all that, you know, I don't really want to talk to it. So then I took it to the next step for at least me, which is to address it with their coach. So. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Melly. This has been wonderful. I want to thank you again for your time. Uh, if you want to use this and put this on the website, I will send you a link, and you feel more than wel uh, welcome to do so. Um, you know, my podcast is on a smaller platform of Podbean, but it is now also on Apple Podcasts. So, um it's one of my new uh, things in my life that I'm working on. This in my glove repair business. I just d did three gloves for Stanford, 
They had three catcher's mitts go down, and they're sending me two more. <laughs> two more <laughs> than I get tomorrow. And there's a local school in town, which I won't mention. I just did one for them today. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, keep on stringing. Keep yep. on stringing. All right, dear. All righty. Uh, thank you for coming on. Um, God bless you in your presidency. I know that uh, you're going to push the needle. And um, I'm just glad that the membership finally woke up and figured out who the person to put in that office. Is there Thank any you. Last, I appreciate it. Any last comments, ma'am? Uh, I appreciate you inviting me on. I, I really enjoyed this last hour talking shop. And, um, you know, uh, I, I appreciate the time and uh, the platform. And I enjoyed it. It's good to hear. And I will see you in May. And yes. when I see you in May, uh, you know, the dinner uh, welcome is always open. <laughs> you know, we can go back to my favorite restaurant. <laughs> Sounds good. And uh, take it easy on us because it's a, kind of a down year on us this year. I know you want uh, revenge from last year. I know. I know. <laughs> You know, our girls are on their journey and, you know, I'm, I'm just happy to be in, you know, around it. It's, it's really cool to watch and it, you know, you get it. Oh yeah. Well, uh, yeah. It is a wonderful thing to watch that on, you know, as it happens. Yes. And it's magical. Yeah. To be his Harry Broadfoot always say to be of it, but not in it. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. It is a wonderful thing. As I look at my 11 Big Ten championship rings to my left, yes, it is a wonderful thing. It is a wonderful thing. This has been Melly. Oh, that's Resendiz. Resendiz. <laughs> Melly Resendiz here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. The month of April is Distracted Driving Awareness Month. And here to give us more information on the terrible things that can happen while driving distracted is my sponsor, Mike Bryant of Bryant Shaw and Bryant Law Firm. In Pennsylvania, a teenage girl that was about to turn 18 was driving her brand new car home when she looked down to check a text message and struck a tree, killing herself and injuring a friend in the car. The average message takes 4.6 seconds to create. Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. Please don't drive while intoxicated or allow your friends and family to do so. No text message or phone call is worth dying for. Find Mike Bryant at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Mike Bryant, seeking justice for the injured.
as we wrap up today's show, uh, it was wonderful to catch up with my old dear friend, Melly. As uh, we've known each other for 30-something years, uh, we've been on opposite sides of the field, but we've always been together hand-in-hand and making sure that our athletes were well taken care of and supported in ways that they needed to be. Well, as I stated earlier, I'm on, uh, can be heard on Podbean and also on Apple Podcasts. Again, invite one friend and let's grow this thing. Again, from my man cave in the Green Circle Studios, this is JB here at the JB's Low Tech Podcast. JB is my name and f***ing up motherfuckers is my game. Fight on Negro, Black, African American, Black, Black, Black. Django, JB. Damn, Dolomite. Great card in heaven, you know JB, our great Negro sex machine.